0: section thirty five of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds the dressmaker a love story part three the very next morning while julia was seated at work in her parlour reflecting upon the incidents of the three preceding days she heard the iron gate in front of the house groan upon its hinges and looking up she beheld from the window the tall handsome gentleman approaching the door the day was fine and he no longer wore his cloak and his garb was plain unpretending and perfectly genteel the housekeeper having returned home that same morning julia awaited with a beating heart in the parlour the presence of her visitor and when he entered she felt so confused for a variety of reasons that she could not utter a word in the first place she knew that she loved him secondly she remembered all the inquiries he had put to her late landlady concerning her and thirdly she recalled to mind the gentle good and almost paternal way in which he had addressed her when last they met and she fancied that in her conduct respecting lady caroline she had deviated somewhat from the strict line of integrity truth and virtue for pursuing which he had so emphatically commended her and in which she had with equal earnestness enjoined her to persevere taking her hand he said miss murray have you completely forgotten me oh no sir she cried with a start as if at an imputation of ingratitude that were impossible and yet why should you remember me he asked gazing intently upon her have i ever done you any service that deserves a thought the only incident which is likely to dwell in your mind respecting me is the wretchedness and embarrassment to which my thoughtless conduct exposed you but for all that you then endured have i ever made you the slightest recompense oh sir cried julia the blood rushing to her cheeks do you think for a moment that i ever sought or looked for a pecuniary indemnification heavens how have you mistaken my character and she burst into tears the stranger gazed upon her and even smiled as if in satisfaction but he said nothing no sir resumed the young milliner hastily passing her handkerchief across her countenance and wiping away the traces of her grief i am not a mercenary person such as you appear to suppose me i did remember you with gratitude she continued her voice becoming mournful and plaintive in spite of herself because you spoke kindly to me on that evening when the accident occurred to the silk dress because you proffered me assistance at a moment when i and my little brother really needed it because i always believed and still believed that it was on your part entirely an error which led me into such a serious difficulty because you then told me that you would not insult me by offering me any pecuniary recompense and because when you called again you spoke kindly to me as before gave me good advice and also brought me intelligence from mr richardson which has led to my present prosperity for all these reasons sir she added emphatically i have thought of you often and often and i consider myself to be deeply your debtor excellent girl exclaimed the gentleman surveying her with mingled admiration and interest not for worlds would i insult your feelings nor wound your generous heart and it was precisely through delicacy in those respects that i never did openly proffer you any pecuniary assistance since that one unfortunate occasion in hanover square again let me observe that if i have not visited you for four long months i have not been unmindful of your welfare i have as it were watched over you from a distance and i have learnt with supreme satisfaction that your conduct has continued most exemplary miss murray i am perhaps singular and eccentric in my notions and though highly placed in the social sphere yet i have determined to consult only my own happiness at least for the future in the most important step which a man can adopt in life i allude to marriage julia started blushed and cast down her eyes and this confusion on her part seemed to encourage her visitor to proceed i must candidly inform you he resumed that i have been a husband already and that the alliance which i formed almost in my boyhood and in obedience to the dictates of an imperious mother was an unhappy one my wife was a heartless coquette vain frivolous and possessing no mind i sought by gentleness and kindness to render her attached to her home although i never really loved her but all was useless at last she caught a severe cold when returning from a rout early on a winter's morning and a rapid decline soon carried her to the tomb this occurred two years ago i then vowed that if i should ever contract a second union it must be where the heart alone was interested this resolve i declared to my mother and it has in a measure i regret to say it incensed her against me the very first time i ever saw you i felt myself suddenly and mysteriously attracted towards you all that i have since heard it or seen of you has tended to confirm that favourable impression and i am come this morning to offer you my hand as you already possess my heart a faintness an indescribable sensation of mingled joy and apprehension came over julia as these last words met her ears joy in the hope that she had heard aright apprehension lest she were the prey of a delightful vision which was too soon to be dissipated but when she felt her hand pressed to the lips of that handsome suitor who now knelt at her feet and listened to the tender assurances of an honourable and lasting affection which she breathed with manly sincerity in her ears she exclaimed under the sudden impulse of her heart's emotions is it possible that so much happiness can be in store for me her suitor received those words as an assent to his proposal and pressing the young maiden to his bosom he said then without knowing my name you have loved me dearest julia she murmured an affirmative and a rapid interchange of questions and replies convinced him that the young maiden had all along remembered him not with gratitude but with affection thereupon seating himself by her side and retaining her pretty hand in his he said then henceforth julia there need exist no mystery on my part i am the pretended debtor to your deceased father and mr richardson my own attorney followed my secret instructions in providing for yourself and your brother my object was to place you in comfort yet still leave you in a condition that rendered you to a certain degree dependent on your own honest industry and i have been overjoyed to find that prosperity has not induced you to relax your energies nor led you into extravagances nor in any way proved injurious to your fair fame your amiable disposition and your steady perseverance with delight then shall i accompany so worthy a woman to the altar and with pride shall i present you to the world as the marchioness of wilmington Oh, my lord murmured julia a greater faintness than before now coming over her as the lofty rank of her suitor was thus announced to her is it possible that you can be the brother of that young lady to whom i owe so much and then she blushed deeply and a cold shudder passed over her frame as she remembered what a tremendous secret she had retained in her bosom and must retain inviolably concerning the sister of him who offered to make her the partner of his rank and fortune yes said the marquis attributing her emotions to the happiness as well as the maidenly confusion which it was natural for her to experience under existing circumstances that lady caroline whom you know is my sister you may judge my surprise when on the night that i first encountered you in hanover square you informed me that the spoilt dress was my mother's the very next morning i called at her residence and privately acquainted caroline with the little adventure casually saying that i had been a witness of the accident which was occasioned through no neglect nor carelessness on your part and desiring her when you presented yourself to mitigate as much as possible my mother's certain resentment against you since that period my sister has frequently spoken to me concerning you and has recommended you extensively to her numerous fashionable acquaintances but much as i love and would trust lady caroline i have never informed her of the attachment i experienced for you nor of the fact that i was your father's pretended debtor this reserve originated merely in the determination to watch your conduct i may tell you all this now dear girl from a distance so that time might decide whether i should lay my coronet at your feet or renounce all farther idea of an alliance with you thank heaven the former is the happy destiny and now i have explained all that may have seemed strange or mysterious in your estimation julia could scarcely find words to express her gratitude for all the delicate attentions and generous acts of which the nobleman had thus been the hitherto unknown author but he sealed her lips with a fond kiss and then proceeded to address her in the following manner i propose dearest girl that our union shall take place in six months from the present time the reason that i suggest so long a delay is that i may visit you occasionally in company with my sister be it understood so that you may learn to know me better than you now do and as i shall at once make a confidant of caroline and am well acquainted with the generosity of her disposition you need not apprehend any coolness or hostility on her part quite the contrary she will love you as a sister ah i observe that you sigh and experience an agitation of feeling my julia but you have no cause to dread any exhibition of foolish pride with caroline relative to my mother i say nothing promise nothing at the same time i cannot permit her will to rule my happiness and now i shall take my leave of you for the present julia and i shall at once hasten to hanover square to confide all that has occurred between us to my sister who i regret to state has been confined for some days past to her own chamber alas she poor girl has suffered in her best and holiest affections through her mother's pride but i rejoice to say that happiness awaits her yet by the sudden death of a young cousin lieutenant quentin has become lord hartley and his ship will return in a few months to england this most unexpected succession to title and wealth will smooth down all the difficulties which my mother has hitherto interposed in the way of her daughter's happiness and who knows julia added the marquis smiling but that the two marriages may be celebrated at the same time god grant that they may exclaimed the young milliner with a strange emphasis then immediately afterwards she observed for believe me i have your sister's happiness most sincerely at heart i shall not fail to tell caroline all you say returned the marquis and she will be prepared to love you the more tenderly and now dear julia he added rising to depart i must bid you farewell for the present the next time i call i shall give you due notice beforehand so that you may have little harry here to see me but permit me before i depart to request you to divest yourself by degrees of the business and occupations which have accumulated upon you to speak plainly you need receive no more work from any person and you will permit my solicitor mr richardson to supply you monthly with such sums as you may require for your expenditure all this was said by lord wilmington in so delicate yet tender a manner that it increased julia's attachment to him as well as her high esteem of his character and they parted more than ever pleased with each other in the afternoon julia was sitting at her work pondering upon all that had occurred and scarcely able yet to convince herself that she was not a prey to some delusive vision when lady caroline's maid called with a note from her mistress in this billet the fair patrician said my brother has told me all dearest julia and believe me when i assure you that it will afford me unfeigned delight to hail you as a sister never never can i forget all your goodness towards me in the hour of my bitter extremity but for heaven's sake guard well my secret this injunction however i need scarcely give you and yet there is one thing which now affects me this is shall you not blush to acknowledge me as your sister-in-law since you are acquainted with my disgrace my heart tells me that you commiserate and sympathize but my fears oh until i receive from you an assurance that may calm them those fears are truly painful the generous julia hastened to pen a reply conveying in the tenderest terms the assurance solicited and having ascertained that the young lady was progressing rapidly towards complete convalescence she dismissed the maid with the letter entrusted to her three weeks however elapsed before lady caroline was sufficiently recovered to call upon her friend julia and then she came alone for a mother's heart yearned to visit her child under the influence of this feeling she was moved to tears when she learnt that every alternate day miss murray had made it a point to call at mrs porter's residence and assure herself that the poor babe was duly cared for this is another proof of your goodness julia exclaimed lady caroline falling upon her friend's neck and weeping with mingled gratitude and joy they presently proceeded together to the good woman's abode and the young mother was charmed to find her child thriving to her heart's best satisfaction on the following day lady caroline revisited julia but this time it was in company with her brother the marquis and little harry was at home to see them you may suppose that the party was a happy one and it gave the nobleman ineffable delight to observe that his sister and his intended wife were on the best possible terms with each other but he little suspected the tremendous secret that had thus cemented their friendship and it caused poor juliet many a pang when she reflected that she was compelled to retain any secret at all from the knowledge of the generous man who reposed such confidence in her there was however no help for it and yet juliet felt as if she were acting with blamable duplicity in veiling a circumstance which for her friend's sake she would nevertheless rather die than reveal and after her noble visitors had taken their departure she did not experience that amount of happiness which with her present brilliant prospects she knew she ought to enjoy i must not dwell upon this portion of my narrative let us suppose five months to have passed away during which period the marquis had been constant in his visits to julia but always in the company of his sister so delicate was his behaviour in respect to the reputation of his intended bride that he avoided every chance of compromising her and although the neighbours saw a gentleman whose name they did not know call three times a week upon the beautiful milliner they never beheld him repair thither alone thus there was no scope for scandal and julia's conduct was always so circumspect as to prove a complete antidote to calumny i should observe that during the five months mentioned the attachment subsisting between the pair increased and warmed into the most ardent love and i must not forget to state that lady caroline visited her child at mrs porter's house as frequently as she was able but julia seldom failed to call there every alternate day and thus the rearing of the poor infant was strictly watched by its mother and that mother's bosom friend sometimes harry accompanied his sister in a walk to mrs porter's cottage but the little fellow was always made to wait in one room while julia was shown the baby in another and thus the real motive of her visits there was unsuspected by him not that she feared he would reveal anything which he was enjoined to keep secret but julia believed and rightly believed that it was alike more prudent and delicate to leave him in total ignorance of the object which took her to the cottage thus time wore on as i have already mentioned and now i must remark that in compliance with the wishes of lord Wilmington, julia had by this time altogether ceased to receive work but instead of drawing on the funds placed at her disposal in the hands of mr richardson she subsisted upon the savings which she had been enabled to accumulate i mention all these little circumstances to afford you as good an idea as i can convey of the excellence of her disposition and the total absence of selfishness from her character in fact the more the marquis saw of her the more enamoured of her did he become and the greater grew his admiration of her amiable qualities it was therefore with joy the most unfeigned that he at length considered himself justified in fixing the day for the bridal and this ceremony was settled to take place precisely on the completion of the six months from the hour in which he had offered her his hand while julia was occupied in preparing her own wedding-dress the marquis busied himself in rendering his splendid mansion in belgrave square as suitable as possible for the reception of his bride in the meantime he had communicated to the dowager marchioness his intended marriage but as he had feared his design experienced the most decided disapproval on her part vainly did he reason with her on the subject uselessly did he represent that his happiness was seriously involved his mother refused to listen to him and he had the mortification to incur her most serious displeasure the bitterness of her hostility to the match he however concealed from julia and much as he deplored the breach which now existed between himself and his only surviving parent not for a moment did he entertain the thought of yielding to her tyranny thus the time passed on and it was now within three days of the one fixed for the bridal ceremony when an incident occurred which produced a terrible change in the aspect of affairs it was a fine summer morning and the clock was striking eight just as julia and little harry were sitting down to breakfast when the old housekeeper entered to inform her mistress that a woman by the name of porter desired to speak to her without delay for you must remember that the housekeeper was entirely ignorant of the transaction which so nearly concerned lady caroline jerningham and to some extent involved miss murray at least as an accessory in the mysterious business mrs porter was instantly admitted into the parlour and when she appeared and the housekeeper had retired julia approached her in an agitated manner and with an inquiring look for it struck her that this visit the first which the woman had ever paid to the house since that night when the infant was entrusted to her augured something unpleasant in her excitement she forgot the presence of her brother harry whom the woman herself likewise overlooked and to the anxious glance darted upon her mrs porter verbally replied by exclaiming "Oh, miss the dear child has been suddenly taken dangerously ill the child dangerously ill repeated julia had learnt to love the infant almost as much as if it were her own i will accompany you directly and hurrying from the room she presently reappeared with her bonnet and shawl then noticing harriet flashed to her mind that he had overheard what had been said but a second thought told her that more harm would be done by attempting to explain away any impression that might have been made upon his mind than by leaving the matter as it then stood and having merely observed to him that she should return shortly julia hastened away in company with mrs porter harry finished his breakfast not thinking much of the few words which had caught his ears but which he could not rightly understand and as it was holiday time he was about to repair to play in the garden at the back of the house when a double knock at the front door made him hasten to the window perceiving that the visitor was the marquis he ran to give him admittance and the nobleman entered the parlour where is your sister harry he asked caressing the boy in a kind manner she has gone out my lord was the reply this early exclaimed the marquis and i had promised myself the pleasure of breakfasting with you both the morning was so fine and as i am a very early riser i rode out as far as the turnpike and have sent my horse back with the groom the nobleman spoke this rather in a musing tone than actually addressing himself to the boy and after a pause he observed i suppose your sister will not be long i do not know my lord answered harry a woman came just as we were sitting down to breakfast and julia seemed much vexed at what she told her i hope that nothing disagreeable has occurred cried the marquis in a tone of alarm the woman whose name is porter informed julia that the child was dangerously ill responded harry and then they went away together oh i understand said the marquis the child of some poor woman named porter is unwell and your sister is gone to see it no my lord i don't think the child is mrs porter's returned harry ingenuously and with boyish communicativeness for i have often called at her cottage with julia and i have heard mr porter say that his wife's own baby died last winter and julia has often called there exclaimed the marquis a horrible suspicion suddenly arising in his mind very often indeed answered harry totally unconscious of the tremendous amount of mischief he was occasioning when we have been out walking together we have come round that way and stopped at the cottage and then i have waited in the kitchen with mr porter who used to give me cakes or marbles while julia went upstairs with mrs porter and did you ever see the child asked the nobleman assuming as much composure as he could possibly call to his aid no julia never told me a word about it and how did you first hear of it just now when mrs porter rushed in and said that the child was ill and was julia very very sorry demanded the marquis oh yes indeed cried the boy who saw nothing strange nor unusual in the nobleman's tone or manner and regarded this dialogue as mere chit-chat and whereabout is mrs porter's cottage asked wilmington in whose bosom a perfect hell was now raging shall i show you lordship the way said harry the nobleman nodded his head affirmatively and the little fellow hastened to fetch his cap they then proceeded in silence until they came within sight of the cottage which harry pointed out you may now go home again said the marquis and harry obeyed the hint still totally unsuspicious of the harm which his candid garrulity had accomplished the nobleman when thus left alone could no longer restrain the emotions which agitated within him turning aside from the path leading towards the cottage he rushed into the fields exclaiming aloud just heavens on what an abyss was i hovering but can such diabolical perfidy exist on the part of one so young oh yes it is too apparent and my mother was right when she counselled me never to bestow my hand on a woman moving in a sphere beneath my own having thus given vent to his excited feelings wilmington grew more composed and he now approached the cottage the door stood open and entering without any ceremony he saw a woman at the same instant descend from a staircase is your name porter he inquired speaking in as mild a tone as possible yes sir she answered and it is here that a child who has been as it were abandoned by its unnatural mother is lying dangerously ill he said fixing his eyes keenly upon the woman's countenance thank god the dear innocent is better exclaimed mrs porter taken completely off her guard and even entertaining a suspicion that the gentleman himself might be the father of her nursing now confess everything cried the marquess or it will be the worse for you was it not miss murray who engaged your services no sir it was the surgeon who attended the lady in her confinement interrupted mrs porter terrified by the stern tone which her queerest had suddenly adopted but it was at miss murray's house enough enough ejaculated wilmington and he hurried away from the cottage in the meantime julia had returned home having assured herself that the child was out of danger and as she retraced her way by means of a by-path it happened that she did not encounter her brother and the marquis but little harry was light of foot, and he having been dismissed by the nobleman in the way above stated reached the front door at the same instant as his sister she was surprised to find that he had been out still more so when she learnt that lord wilmington had called so early but a frightful sensation seized upon her when harry ingenuously observed that the nobleman had taken him to lead the way to the cottage subduing her emotions however as well as she could she proceeded to question her brother and in a short time she ascertained all that had passed between him and the marquis each answer that he gave each detail that he mentioned increased the horrible fears which now oppressed her and at last comprehending the full extent of her misfortune perceiving the nature of the suspicions which were sure to have seized upon her intended husband she uttered a piercing cry pressed her hands in anguish to her throbbing brow and exclaimed in a piercing tone oh harry harry you know not what you have done the boy was frightened and darting towards his sister he threw his arms around her neck imploring her to forgive him if he had acted improperly even in the midst of her bitter bitter anguish she could not find it in her heart to continue angry with her little brother who had not wantonly nor wickedly inflicted this appalling injury upon her and assuming an appearance of calmness she became the consoler in the depth of misery there is a crisis that makes even despair the immediate precursor of hope and julia began to reason to herself that all might not be so dark as she had feared but while she was thus endeavouring to persuade her inmost soul to render itself accessible to consolation a note was put into her hand by the housekeeper she glanced at the address which was hurriedly almost illegibly written and the ink of which was scarcely dry so that she knew it had been penned somewhere in the neighbourhood with trembling hands she tore it open and her strength and mental energy sustained her sufficiently to permit the entire perusal of the letter its contents ran thus i have discovered your frailty your guilt your hypocrisy just in time to save myself from an alliance which would have brought dishonour on my name and heaped endless miseries on my head i shall not attempt to reproach you at any length for your conduct towards me my generous confidence has been met by the blackest duplicity the most diabolical ingratitude and your conscience will punish you more oh far more severely than any words that i may address to you neither shall i adopt the mean and petty revenge of exposing you but if you ever dare to boast that you were once engaged to be married to the marquis of wilmington then shall i consider that it would be a sin to spare you the letter dropped from julia's hand and with a wild shriek she fell senseless on the floor the housekeeper administered restoratives while little harry who was himself a prey to the liveliest grief he had ever yet known hurried to fetch the surgeon it was the same medical man who had attended upon lady caroline jerningham and he was prompt in repairing to a house where his former services had been so liberally rewarded julia had somewhat recovered in the meantime but he pronounced her to be in a dangerous state and indeed she seemed quite unconscious of everything that was passing around her she was conveyed to her chamber medicine was prescribed and the surgeon recommended the housekeeper not to leave her mistress alone more than was absolutely necessary inasmuch as he feared that her brain was affected little harry was inconsolable at his sister's illness the more especially that he reproached himself with having been the cause of it all though how he had done the harm he could not by any means understand seated by julia's bedside he fixed his tearful eyes on her pale countenance as she slumbered uneasily and when hours had passed and evening came and still she awoke not he was afraid that she was dead the housekeeper however assured him to the contrary and then he bent softly over his sister to whom the surgeon had administered an opiate and gently kissed her lips she murmured a name it was his own name and opened her eyes complete consciousness returned in a few minutes and as she rapidly surveyed her misfortune and calculated its extent she shuddered at the idea of even attempting to meet it with resignation but for that little brother's sake the sake of him whom she had found bending over her and whose name was the first that her lips breathed on her waking for his sake she nerved herself to wage war with the world once more a word of explanation the mere revelation of lady caroline's secret would at once restore her to that position so full of hope which she had occupied in the morning still her generous heart would not allow her to betray her friend no she would sooner pine away and go down to an early grave heartbroken and spirit-crushed than proclaim to the marquis the secret of his noble sister's dishonour it was about seven o'clock in the evening of this dreadful day that a hasty and impatient double-knock at the front door was heard and a few moments afterwards lady caroline jerningham was ushered into the chamber where julia was lying the moment she entered the patient made a signal for the housekeeper and little harry to withdraw and when the two friends were alone together a most affecting scene took place it appeared that the marquis had that afternoon written a letter to his sister of which the following were the enigmatical contents i am almost heartbroken, my dearest caroline and cannot see you at present i shall retire into the country for a few weeks perhaps months to hide my grief from every eye and endeavour to regain somewhat of that mental composure which has been almost completely wrecked this day Julia is unworthy of my love and of your friendship what the proof of this may be ask not seek not to learn but i charge you to visit her no more your afflicted brother etc. on the receipt of this note lady caroline who could not help suspecting that this suddenly wrought change in the sentiments of the marquis arose from some fearful misunderstanding or some partial discovery respecting the child had hastened almost distracted and a prey to intolerable suspense to julia's abode and there she was shocked to find her generous-hearted friend stretched upon a bed of sickness embracing each other affectionately they gave mutual explanations and lady caroline perceived that her worst fears were confirmed the marquis had indeed made a discovery relative to the infant but he was deceived with regard to its maternity and now who can describe the admiration which lady caroline experienced for the character of her friend when she learnt that the poor girl would rather lie under the dread suspicion of the marquis rather resign all her brilliant prospects and see her heart's fondest affections blighted rather in fact resign herself to immolation than betray her whose secret she deemed so sacred no no exclaimed the fair patrician throwing herself upon julia's bosom and weeping plenteously this may not be never can i permit you noble-hearted girl to endure infamy reproach and wretchedness for my sake i will at once follow my brother into the country throw myself at his feet confess all and bring him back to you and then what will become of you caroline asked julia mingling her tears with those of her friend oh i shall retire from the world and bury myself with my innocent babe in some solitude in some far-off village perhaps where under a feigned name i may escape the world's scorn for this fatal weakness which has caused so much misery and as she spoke lady caroline's voice indicated the most acute anguish of heart unless she added her tone suddenly becoming hoarse and hollow and her manner unnaturally subdued unless indeed my brother in the first abolition of his rage should stretch me dead at his feet and that is the most probable result then dearest caroline exclaimed julia speaking in a tone of mingled alarm and earnest entreaty, for heaven's sake renounce this mad project do not think of seeking your brother and thus exposing yourself to his rage i owe you a deep deep debt of gratitude and now let me pay it by enduring that weight of suspicion against which i may haply bear up but which would crush and overwhelm you for never never can i forget that when i appeared full of terror and trembling with the spoiled dress in your mother's presence your looks gave me encouragement and your kind words reassured me then when i was leaving your dwelling without the means of even procuring a loaf for my dear little brother and myself you put gold into my hand oh dear lady these are manifestations of generosity which never can be forgotten and noble as you are by name you are nobler in heart it will be my joy my pride to screen you who have proved so kind a friend to me and there is no sacrifice that i am unprepared to make in order to save you from unhappiness and shame it is an angel that speaks murmured lady caroline overpowered by this generosity on the part of julia murray but nothing nothing she continued with reviving energy and after a few moments pause shall induce me to yield to your desire i recognize all that is great and noble in your conduct and so long as i remain possessed of intellect and memory i shall pray night and morning for the almighty to bless you my dearest julia i have been frail and i must bear the consequences seek not to wean me from this intention i should never know." a happy moment were i to permit you to become the victim of my shame one word exclaimed miss murray after a minute's profound reflection i will no longer urge you to act contrary to your heart's dictates but promise me that you will not take a single step towards revealing everything to your brother and exculpating me until four-and-twenty hours shall have elapsed during that interval we shall both have time for serious and calm meditation and no advantage will result from precipitate haste yes i make you this promise julia returned lady caroline on the condition that when we meet again to-morrow evening it shall not be to argue whether i am to confess or not but in what manner the confession can be most suitably and safely made agreed cried miss murray and to-morrow evening at seven o'clock you will visit me again i will answered lady caroline jerningham and she then took her leave of her friend whom she embraced with the warmth of the most sincere affection on the following day at about three o'clock in the afternoon a letter addressed to lady caroline jerningham was delivered at the mansion in hanover square by a porter who hurried away the moment he had placed it in the servants hands the contents of this note ran as follows: dearest caroline it is useless for you to call this evening at the house which i have occupied for so many months and which was purchased by your excellent brother's money i shall no longer be the occupant of that house when this note reaches you my mind is made up to endure everything for your sake and i therefore this day withdraw myself in company with harry into a retirement and an obscurity whither you cannot follow me it will therefore be unnecessary and ridiculous i may almost say wicked for you to make any revelations to your brother by sacrificing yourself you would confer no benefit upon me as nothing shall induce me to alter the plans i have formed respecting the future retain profoundly secret all those circumstances the confession of which can have no useful result and think sometimes of me for i shall often often think of you my well-beloved friend although we may never never meet again this letter on which were the traces of weeping produced a stupefying sensation on the part of lady caroline was it possible that julia in the zeal of her ardent friendship had outwitted the fair patrician and had won the generous game at which they were playing no wonder that miss murray had requested caroline to suspend all proceedings for twenty-four hours in that time the noble-hearted girl had consummated the sacrifice of herself and now nothing could exceed the sincerity and the depth of that grief which seized upon the lady for an hour after she received the note she was as one demented and her confidential maid experienced the utmost difficulty in restraining her from manifestations of feeling which would have excited the strangest suspicions in the household at length when she had grown comparatively calm lady caroline attended by her maid repaired to camden town but there they only beheld those appearances which corroborated the statements contained in julia's letter for the house was shut up and on inquiry being made of a neighbour it was ascertained that miss murray her servant and her little brother had taken their departure soon after midday although according to the same authority the young milliner was evidently suffering from indisposition the fair patrician's last hope of seeing her friend and weaning her from her intention was thus destroyed and the poignancy of her grief was renewed she proceeded to mrs porter's cottage where she learnt that julia had called in the morning to assure herself of the child's convalescence and imprint upon its little countenance a farewell kiss this touching instance of julia's goodness of heart moved lady caroline to tears and she reproached herself bitterly for having been the cause of all her friend's present sorrows there however appeared to be a remedy which might yet be adopted and to this measure did the lady make up her mind she resolved in fact to write to her brother without delay inform him of everything and urge him to lose no time in discovering the retreat of julia that justice full and ample justice might be done to her accordingly on the following morning she penned a long letter to the marquis of wilmington imploring him to forgive her for the dishonour she had brought upon the family and drawing such a picture of julia's generosity in sacrificing herself for a friend that she wept long and plentifully over the pages as she perused them when this epistle had been despatched to the post caroline's heart felt easier and she said to herself even if my brother should wreak the bitterest vengeance upon me i can endure his resentment with resignation for i now have the consciousness of performing a sacred and solemn duty The dowager marchioness in the meantime had been suffering through indisposition which confined her much to her chamber and she did not therefore perceive any particular variations in the manner and aspect of her daughter end of section thirty five